Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, everybody? My name is David EJ Berger. You can find me at Carl Jr. on Twitter. And welcome to Training Camp Dialed In. I'll be featuring phone calls with NFL writers and reporters from the actual sidelines of camp, getting their first-hand accounts of the action from a fantasy perspective. This is the place to be all month long, as I'm bringing you three to four shows per week filled with football knowledge that's going to help your team win your leagues this season. So you need to subscribe to the Fantasy Authority feed, the exclusive home of the super short-run, super niche, and super essential podcast for the month of August. And we are back. We are back. You know, as I've been driving around and moving, I've mentioned I've been moving uh, on a few podcasts now. I've been delivering takes to friends via Voxer, different voice chats. If you play a lot of fantasy football, especially with uh, people from the Midwest, uh, you're in uh, several Voxer chats that are fantasy related. I was thinking, you know what? Hey, I have a podcast this month. I should maybe give some takes on that podcast. Hmm. That's not really what this is about. This isn't about my takes. This podcast is a vessel, a vessel of information, not my personal bullhorn to fire off my wide receiver ranks. No, there's plenty of other podcasts that do that, but I don't know. I might give a take. I'm thinking about a take. What would that take be? Ah, That's for another day. We'll, we'll, We'll figure it out. To take or not to take. And of course, when I say take, I'm spelling it T-A-E-K as one does. Well, speaking of this podcast as a vessel of information, let's keep it on its journey. And boy, is this podcast filled to the brim with actionable information for your fantasy leagues this season. We're talking about a team that we're all invested in. Maybe I'm a little too invested as I have a pretty substantial bangle stack for my Scott Fishbowl team, which will get mentioned, which will get mentioned. It's safe to say that this podcast is about our Bengals. You know you've got at least three best ball teams with stacks from this team. Strap in. And guess what? We're going to talk Burrow. We're going to talk T. Higgins. We're going to talk Jamar Chase. This is exciting, and we're doing it with a heavy hitter. I dialed up Ben Baby. He covers the Cincinnati Bengals for a little outfit called ESPN. This is big time. You can find him at Ben underscore baby on Twitter. But really what you should do is go to ESPN.com and check out all the information this guy types up for you to read so you know what's going on with your favorite Southeast Ohio football team. We even chat a little music at the end, so stick around for that. He's about to deliver the definitive guide to the 2021 Cincinnati Bengals. What are we waiting for? Let's bring him on. Ladies and gentlemen, Ben baby hello ben how's it going good 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 you know it's another another day during training camp so same old same old how's everything on your end 
I am doing well. Thank you so much for joining me once again. Uh, I know this is a busy time of year for you and uh, squeezing in stuff like this is difficult, but I, I appreciate it. And I know the fantasy gamers uh, appreciate it as well. And I uh, I also appreciate, I follow you. I saw you last season. Uh, you, <laughs> you were getting inundated with the mix and updates and uh, you seem to have a good sense of humor about it all. And uh, I think we all appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, why not roll? I mean, it ended up being, at first the bit was kind of annoying and then it ended up being a pretty fun bit so uh you know we'll see hopefully uh for a lot of people i think that people are hoping mixon stays healthy and the bid is limited this year so we'll, we'll see what happens well let's talk about that and more i'm very excited to talk about this team once again uh, the fantasy space has fallen in love with them during the offseason they were slash are a really popular best ball stack and i even have a bangle stack of burrow jamar chase and tyler boyd for my scott fishbowl team so we're really talking about our Bengals right now ben <laughs> and uh, we need insights on how this team is looking and how it's going to play out but first a quick recap of last year if the Bengals are going to be the fantasy gold mine that means this team is going to take a big leap in 2020 they finished 29th in total points scored 29th in total yards and were 30th in yards per play yeesh while running 76 percent of their plays out of 11 personnel now a lot of that has to do with burrow going down with a knee injury but that was week 11 so pretty late in the season to put that into context with those whole season numbers to get that leap that gamers are hoping for slash expecting what have you seen in camp from head coach zach taylor and offensive coordinator Brian Callahan's 2021 system in terms of scheme, formations, new designs. What are we doing to light up the scoreboard more and our lineups? You know, I, I think we really got a good sense of what the offense is going to look like at the beginning of the season when Burrow was in the mix and he was kind of getting his feel uh, for the NFL. We saw a high volume passing attack. We saw them basically leaning on their quarterback to move the offense. And I, as much as, you know, we say, oh, it might have been the offensive line and, and maybe the run game wasn't what it needed to be, I think when you look at the strategies in the offseason as well and how they've constructed this team, this really does look like a high volume passing attack. And, and even, you know, the usage of Joe Mixon, uh, the running back, I think will be used in that capacity as well. So if you're in a, a PPR league or you're looking at the Bengals as, as a potential fantasy option for your squad, you know, that, that's what makes it so appealing. It's the fact that you know that there's going to be a lot of attempts, there's going to be a lot of targets, and that's why they've been, uh, you know, very, very lucrative and very tantalizing for a lot of owners or managers, excuse me, during this fantasy season. Well, if we're going to be a high-volume passing attack, we're going to need a healthy QB, and uh, Joe Burrow's coming off that knee injury, and a pretty significant one at that, tearing both the MCL and the ACL. Last season, he didn't have a game where he had less than 30 attempts, even threw up 61 attempts in Week 2 against the Browns. How was Burrow looking? And uh, he had some bad reports last week, so we're, I'm interested to find out more about that, and uh, what should we expect from Burrow in 2021? Yeah, so for the listeners, we're recording this a few days before uh, the Bengals uh, preseason opener, and like you said, at the beginning of camp, you know, Burrow just didn't look right for whatever reason, and and he finally acknowledged that when he talked to the media for the first time after practices and said, you know, just you know, was looking to get a little more comfortable, uh, find that feel in the pocket, and he was confident, as he has been this entire time, That'll come eventually, but for whatever reason, it just isn't there yet. And 
it's part of the process of coming back uh, from that knee injury and, and, and kind of the mental aspect of it all. And he said, basically, you know, physically, I feel good. It's just the mental aspect of it that is the big hurdle for me right now, especially in team drills. And that correlates with what we saw or corroborate kind of what we saw throughout training camp and, and his is kind of the lack of rhythm the first team offense had when he was under center. You know, we saw him get a rest day and the, and the team and the coaching staff have been monitoring if that was going to be a good idea for, for him. They ended up doing that, you know, after that first week of camp. And, you know, it was interesting after one of the practices, we saw uh, assistant coach Dan Pitcher and a couple of the other uh, team personnel go out there and basically try to simulate a pass rush, so to speak, and just have bodies flying at him while he was throwing on air uh, to other staffers. And it showed me that he was trying to get more comfortable, just kind of get used to people coming at him. And, you know, they kind of have uh, tweaked their drills accordingly to make him uh, feel more comfortable and give him that those reps, kind of simulate that as best as they can. So that was almost like a admission that, you know, this is a mental, mental block that he's going to have to overcome and it's going to take a lot of reps. So Right now, it's still a little too early to see where he's at and get a good gauge. But I think you should, you know, for people who are skeptical or have concerns, the one encouraging thing that we've seen so far is that he's willing to work on all these things. He's very, um, he's very knowledgeable about where his blind spots are as a quarterback. And that's honestly one of his best strengths and a very underrated aspect of who he is as an athlete. And, and when you look at it and, and when you so, when the last couple of days, uh, you know, that, that he's been on the field. He's actually been improved. We've seen him have his best couple of days at camp. And uh, I'm in, interested to see what he looks like. And if Bengals are going to maybe trot him out in the preseason. Initially, it sounded like that wasn't an option. But after hearing head coach Zach Taylor's comments the other day, I wonder if the door isn't open for him to take a series or two at the end of the preseason. Now, he's gaining back that confidence uh, slowly. But in terms of his actual movement, does he look fluid out there? Does it look like just physically he looks recovered? Yeah, you know, even in OTAs, we said he looked fine. It didn't. So the knee doesn't seem to be bothering him at all. It didn't look like he was, you know, ginger on it. I think there were a couple instances when it made look, it looked like he might have been, you know, there was some squabble among the beat reporters on if he was laboring on it or not. You know, a few of them thought he did, and that was right before he got his rest day. And, and that would make sense because you think about it, he worked incredibly hard to be cleared for the start of training camp, and which is kind of remarkable given when the injury occurred in November and the fact that he had surgery at the beginning of December. To, to repair that ACL and MCL. So, you know, when you look at it, he seems to be fine for the most part. But like I said, we haven't had him in contact drills. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of been hard to gauge so far. But, you know, I, I think the Bengals have done a, a good job of monitoring the situation because the last thing they want is him to pick up that injury. And, and Burrow's been mindful of that because, you know, he's, a, he's the type of guy that will want to push uh, a lot and, and, and really try to, you know, do everything he can to be ready as quickly as possible. But, but so far in terms of, you know, a, a massive amount of discomfort, we really haven't seen that yet. Like Burrow said, I think it right now it's all just mental with him in terms of just getting comfortable in the pocket, being able to step up in the pocket and feel okay with a lot of bodies around him. I think that makes sense. And obviously protecting Burrow is going to be the key to the 2021 season. That's where the offensive line comes into play. What have we seen from this unit? Because they get a lot of flack out there, not just on fantasy Twitter, but football Twitter overall. What are we seeing from the Bengals offensive line 
going into this year? Yeah, you know, so far it's actually more question marks than we thought we would have coming into training camp at the end of the offseason. It looked like second-round pick Jackson Carmen was going to be a lock uh, or as, as close to a lock as he could be on being that starting right guard. He was repping with the ones at the end of OTA. And then, you know, it, it seems like something happened in between the end of OTAs and the start of training camp. And now Jackson's kind of buried on the depth chart. You're looking at Mike Jordan who was partly responsible, if not majority of, of the fault for why Burrow got hurt against Washington. You know, he's now repping at right guard. He spent a lot of work in the offseason to get better. You've got Quentin Spain at the other left guard spot. But the fact that the, the offensive line is still kind of in flux this much and you've got, you know, potentially three guys vying for that right guard position is kind of intriguing. It's, it's a little unexpected if we're being quite honest and we'll see what, what that line looks like as the training camp progresses. Uh, you know, the, the Bengals put a lot of faith in assistant coach, Frank Pollock, who they rehired this off season to come in and kind of improve, you know, the, the feeling and, you know, around the guys that they had already in that unit, they went out and got Riley Reeve to be their starting tackle uh, from Minnesota. And he seems to be an improvement at that spot. Jonah Williams, their left tackle is healthy. Uh, after you know an injury at the end of last season but you know so far the I think the big questions are about both of those guard spots can they solidify those and can those positions be improved and I think that's going to be the the biggest factor in terms of can the offensive line keep Burrow healthy and, and there's a lot riding on if they got that second round pick right in Carmen and if the philosophy of Pollock kind of fixing everything is going to be the one that pays off it sounds like maybe we won't get that initial burst from this Bengals team uh, that we want uh, as things are kind of gelling as we speak potentially yeah you know i, I think that's going to be the, the fascinating aspect out of all of this how quickly can all this come together especially if burrow does not play in any preseason games you're asking him and, and potentially starting center trey hopkins to go live week one for the first time and you know how many reps is he going to need how many series how many games will it take to get him back to full speed, you know, that's going to be, you know, the big question mark if he doesn't play in the preseason. And for those who are looking at taking him in their drafts, you know, in whatever, in the various leagues that there are, that's going to be, you know, a major concern. I think that you would have as a fantasy manager, if you, if you're not sure, because there is still some unknown left as to how long it's going to take Burrow mentally to get back to where he needs to be. I don't think anybody has an answer to that question. So, you know, it could be that he gets things right before camp, but you know, it could also be that he doesn't play until the regular season starts and it takes him a couple games and, and some managers may not have the luxury of waiting on, on Burrow to, to kind of really find his footing in the middle of the year. So th that's the one big unknown so far with this offense. And it's something we're not going to find out uh, until the games get played. The big unknown is definitely going to affect the guys he's throwing to. So let's talk about the wide receiver room next. Former fantasy headliner AJ Green is gone. In comes rookie Jamar Chase who hasn't played a snap in over a year, but his prospect profile has him the first Bengals wide receiver coming off the board in most drafts, but he's also getting some negative reports. Second year receiver T Higgins has been right behind him off his 72 touch, 936 total scrimmage yard and six total TD rookie season. And then there's veteran Tyler Boyd who always chips in a lot of catches and yards. What kind of camp have these guys had? And who do we expect to be the top wide receiver this season? You know, I think everybody expected that to be Jamar Chase, the top receiver, when we we looked at kind of the, the, the synergy that him and Burrow had in LSU in 2019. 
And then as we've kind of progressed through OTAs and now training camp, you know, it is very clear that there is kind of a learning curve that Jamar Chase is struggling with. I was talking to a scout the other day, and they said that, you know, some of the drops that he's having seem to be just kind of rookie things that he's dealing with. And it's almost like he's good for a drop of practice at this point. And you kind of heard some groans from the fans uh, who were out there for one of the two open practices to the public. And, you know, Jamar has had, uh, I think he had a, a big drop on both days. And that's been something that has been an issue for him so far in training camp. I'd be lying if I said it wasn't. Uh, but it's something that, you know, he, the, I think the, the good thing, encouraging thing, that wasn't a problem for him at LSU, especially in big games and big moments. You know, he had no problems, you know, securing the catch. So maybe it's something as he's getting acclimated to the NFL, as he's getting adjusted to the pressure of playing um, in, in kind of a, a higher level of scrutiny. You know, that's something that he can adjust to over time. You know, there's been some questions about the separation. I think that some of that is a little overblown because, you know, of where Burrow's at. I think separation is a very interesting you know, concept, especially, you know, how, how it's marked uh, in analytics as well. You know, we, we define it uh, tight windows, open windows as when the ball arrives. Well, if the ball doesn't arrive on time and the defenders had a chance to close a gap, then is that, is that um, you know, who do you fault for the lack of separation, the receiver or the quarterback? And so I, I think that's an aspect of things as well. And I think we've seen Jamar create the separation on some plays and the ball just hasn't got there or it's been a drop or there's been other situations, but you know, when you look at what he, what his speed profile and, and what his numbers look like in pre-draft testing, they suggest that he'll have that speed. And when you look at what he did at LSU, his strongest trait, in my opinion, uh, was being able to create yards after catch. When you look at what he did uh, from the outside, and I think that's what makes him so appealing is that he, you know, the Bengals have had a lack of explosive plays in the passing game uh, the last couple of years, especially in Burrow's rookie year. And Chase kind of gives you that option to manufacture these big passing plays without a lot of air yards. And so that's where I think he's going to really thrive in this offense, especially when you talk about a team that likes to run tempo, that likes to run a lot of 11, likes to run a lot of empty sets. So, you know, we'll see if this becomes a problem for Jamar. Historically, we haven't seen that be an issue. Uh, moving on to the other receivers, T. Higgins, you know, I was talking to his position coach at Clemson, Jeff Scott, before his rookie year, who's now the head coach at Southern Florida or South Florida, excuse me, USF Twitter. Please don't, please don't jump on me here. Uh, you know, he said he's really going to come into his own his second year because he's still a young guy and his body will really, you, you'll really tell the difference in his body and his weight, and how he carries, carries everything on his frame going into his second year. And that has been 100% the truth. He looks like he definitely has, his body has matured a lot. He looks a lot bigger. I, I, you know, this is the first time we've, we're seeing him in person and his size really is something. It, it almost, you know, he said that he modeled his game after AJ Green. And then when you look at him in person, I go, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, they kind of have the same frame, same build, uh, do a lot of the same things. And so it's going to be fascinating to see where Higgins is at. He's the big X factor in my opinion, because I think you know what you're going to get with Chase and then Tyler Boyd, who if you're in a PPR league, I would go ahead and draft him uh, way higher than his ADP because when you look at the volume and where he sits in the slot, he's going to get a ton of catches. He's going to get a ton of yards. Um, he may not be the guy who gets the explosive plays, but if you're in a PPR league, you know, those catches are going to be as good as gold for you on Sundays. But um, so, you know, with him and I think with Jamar Chase, you kind of have an idea of what you're going to get, but Higgins is going to be a big X factor. Um, and he could be a real sleeper. I think that, that a lot of people aren't looking at. So it's going to be really fascinating. And, you know, we saw all three of their top receivers last year get over 100 targets. And I think that's going to continue to be the trend in 2021 as well. 
Ben, you're really, really good at this. And these are fantastic insights. We're lucky to have you here. The people are lucky to hear all this stuff. Uh, thank you so much. Any other wide receivers popping at all that kind of caught your eye? You know, Auden Tate's the one that we always look at and go, you know, he's a guy I know that fantasy managers love Auden Tate. Uh, Ian Hartitz over at PFF is a, is a big Auden Tate guy. And, you know, it makes sense when you look at his, you know, what he does and the fact that he doesn't really need a lot of separation. He's got a great catch radius and really strong hands, and he's really good at attacking the ball with, you know, and going to it. And so that that's great, you know, in, in that you don't need him to create or manufacture separation. You know, you can just kind of put the ball in his vicinity and he can more often than not go and get it. You know, now, you know, he, I think he understands that, you know, when his number is called, there's going to be a lot expected of him. He had a breakout game against Tennessee last year that showed what he's done in training camp the last couple of years. So, you know, Tate's always going to be a guy who, you know, probably will, can, can you, if you have the space to stash him on a bench potentially or pick him up on the waiver wire, if you need a receiver, he's a guy that you could always lean on. You know, there's a real interesting battle, uh, you know, at the, at the back of the receiver room in Cincinnati and Trent Taylor is a guy who could really pop, you know, he's a guy that could have a multi-purpose uh, facet for the, for this team in terms of being the primary punt returner, but also kind of being that sixth receiver and, and replacing Alex Erickson who left in free agency. And, and that's a guy, you know, if you can put him in the slot and back up Tyler Boyd, uh, he can, he can do, you know, some interesting things. He's had some good days, you know, had, had a couple of bad days in camp, but overall, you know, he seems to be trending towards making the roster and making that 53 uh, because of not only what he's doing as a receiver, but really what he's doing as a punt returner. So, you know, he's had some good moments and, and that's another receiver that that you could go with. But, you know, if, if I'm a fantasy manager and I'm looking at, OK, who am I taking on this team? I think that I, I, I wouldn't go any farther past Tate at wide receiver four because everything else is a lot more volatile and you know you're going to get um, you know with how much 11 personnel they're going to run that those top three receivers are going to be on the field a lot and they're going to get a bulk of the targets and you know Tate's going to be coming in and and probably be a, a, a significant drop below that but still compared to other receivers in the league yeah, Tate's production should be pretty decent the dream of Auden Tate for dynasty managers is still alive uh, be encouraged everyone you've been stashing him for a while and it sounds like it, it might pay off and Trent Taylor he has a fair amount of truthers out there too so that's really great stuff let's move on to Joe Mixon he is the running back room essentially although we will get to the guys behind him the guys behind the guy let's give some people what they want it's some hardcore Joe Mixon talk he's trending a little cheaper than usual in terms of ADP in the mid to late second round after a couple of years as a French first rounder this is definitely because of that foot injury that saw him only play six games last year and just generally being frustrating to roster throughout his career minus a few blips of success but Gio was gone and there's talk of him finally being unleashed so from what you've seen how's Joe Mixon what can we expect from him this year in terms of usage? Listen, I've got I've got a secret for people who are listening to the pod. Buy Joe Mixon low because his stock has risen more than any Bengals fantasy player uh, throughout training camp. When you look at his usage, how that looks like they're going to use him in the passing game, you know, for years, you know, we thought it was, you know, it's more or less been lip service. And especially with Gio uh, Bernard being the third down back, you know, there really wasn't a lot of passing opportunities for Mixon. Now, they have basically taken away that security blanket and are asking Mixon to be a true three down back and basically calling him out and saying, Hey, can you do this? And Joe's the type of guy, I think he will, he, he's saying all the right things so far. He understands that now that's his responsibility and he has to answer the bell. And what we're seeing out of him usage wise is really fascinating. I, I think we're going to see him lined up a lot on the outside 
And I think we're going to see him a lot in the passing game. And I think that, you know, when you look at how the Bengals run empty and how teams usually get into empty, you know, they, they end up starting it with a running back, you know, especially in their 11 personnel, they'll have them in the backfield and then they'll motion him out wide. When you and Joe Burrow really likes that as a way to kind of, and, and a lot of quarterbacks do, in terms of being able to diagnose the defense at the line of scrimmage, and it really helps you make your with your pre-snap reads. It makes the defense declare what they're doing when you when you set you know when you put the running back out. You kind of you kind of have an understanding of what that scheme is going to look like on that play. But given what we've seen in camp, I wonder if the Bengals aren't going to start empty and then maybe give Burrow that check option to bring Mixon back into the backfield, you know, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if we see more Joe Mixon lined up outside and given the, the glimpses that we've seen throughout camp, you know, and I'm not one to, to kind of go ahead and wave a false flag here, but I think Joe Mixon could be used more in the passing game. So if you're getting him at a good spot in the second round, if he's still there, I would take him because I think this is the year that we could see a potential mix and outbreak, especially when you look at not only what they're doing with the passing game, but they brought back uh, uh, assistant coach Frank Pollock, who was really instrumental in Joe Mixon's 2018 when he led the AFC in rushing. You know, Pollock loves the wide zone scheme. And if I had a dollar for every time the wide zone scheme has been mentioned in a press conference this year, I'd probably have enough to buy about five meals at Skyline. So, you know, it, it's, it, there seems to be that, that seems to be a good match. Joe was really excited about Pollock. And, you know, there is a there's a lot of buzz about what Nixon is doing, and I think it's warranted. So if you can get him at the right spot, uh, he could really be a, a really great value add in the draft. Some skyline sounds good right about now, Ben. It depends on what you get. I can only do the conies. I cannot do a, a three-way or anything with the spaghetti in it, but I will. I can vouch for the conies. Well, also, we started off a little bit rocky for a team with, uh, you know, coming in with a lot of buzz and excitement, but I think we're rounding back to that excitement with this Joe Mixon talk. That was really great stuff and uh, a lot to look forward to for fantasy gamers who already have Mixon rostered on their best ball teams and early drafts. Uh, awesome stuff. Now, behind Mixon, we've got a cast of characters here. We've got Trevion Williams, Samaje Pirine. They're both back with the team, but the Dynasty Degenerates are more interested in rookies Chris Evans and Puka Williams I'm sure who are the guys behind the guy if Mixon should go down which has happened and how are they looking you know I think Samaj P Ryan right now seems to be a lock at running back too when you look at what he's able to do in pass blocking uh he's a really good running back uh, he had a really big game last year off the top of my head I can't recall it but he it was uh, towards the end of the season you kind of saw why uh, Samaje, uh, you know, was so good at Oklahoma. You know, it's interesting. Both of those guys were at Oklahoma at the same time as well. And I think they really like what he can do. He's a pretty versatile guy in terms of, you know, what he can bring to special teams, third downs, and then also in the run game. Travion Williams has battled injuries a lot. This is a guy who, you know, is a small frame, uh, you know, led the SEC in rushing in 2018, but hasn't really had a chance, at, you know, because of his health situation and kind of where the running backs sit on the roster to really showcase what he can do. And he was, you know, in my mind, I've, I've seen every one of his snaps since his freshman, you know, freshman year at A&M since he had his first game against UCLA in 2016. And, and, you know, he was definitely on the bubble in my opinion and potentially on the outside looking in when you look at the moves they made this draft and Travion's really kind of answered the call and really stepped up to the plate, so to speak, to uh, just you throw a ton of cliches out there. Uh, but, he, you know, he's responded well. You know, he's been effective in the, in the passing game. He's had a couple of good runs. And I think that running back three spot 
is going to be between him and Chris Evans. I think we saw Puka Williams, you know, there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of question marks about him and what he would bring to the, bring to the offense. He had a couple good years at Kansas, had some character issues uh, that have been well-documented. Uh, but the fact that, that they quickly moved Puka to wide receiver and have experimented with him in the punt return game leads me to believe that Evans and Travion Williams are definitely uh, among the top four running backs on the roster. Jacquez Patrick is a big bodied guy as well, who, you know, I think that, you know, he had, they had him on the practice squad last year. I can't see him beating out uh, one of the top four guys right now, but he's a, you know, we'll see what happens in the preseason. He's a guy who could have benefited from some preseason games, but there is a lot of hype about Chris Hepp internally inside the building they really like what he can do my big question mark is I, I think it's kind of strange so to speak to expect a guy who didn't really finish his career well at Michigan uh, you know for a program that definitely needs playmakers and a head coach in Jim Harbaugh who's under the gun to expect him to come out and be a contributor in the NFL, when you look at that running back room in Cincinnati, it's a lot of guys who produce at a very high level. And I don't know what the holdup is going to be or if, if Evans can kind of unlock uh, that secret to, to having, you know, the production he needs to stay on the roster. But, you know, I know that the staff really likes him a lot, but in terms of him battling with Travion, you know, that's something we're going to find out in these preseason games. But I would, I would think that, you know, for fantasy managers, Mixon would be the big look. And if you, if you, if he's on the board, Samaje, you could go get him if you really, really, really need a running back. But I would generally stay away from him because when you look at how the Bengals have their offense constructed, it's, it's hard to see another running back getting meaningful touches for fantasy managers uh, outside of Mixon because of how much they're going to lean on the passing game. Rounding to the finish in the tight end room in Cincy, uh, it might be the least sexiest for fantasy gamers uh, on the squad. But Drew Sample had a couple decent games last year and CJ Uzama, He's had a couple spots as well here and there. They seem to be competing for the lead tight end gig in Cincy. There's also Thaddeus Moss, who has his truthers out there. What do we think uh, of the the tight end room in Cincinnati, and, and will they have a relevant fantasy tight end? It's so hard for me to have any faith in, in the tight ends from a fantasy perspective, and that's not knocking the guys in the room. It's looking at it from a practical standpoint. When you look at the investments they've made at wide receiver the last few years, you know, you've got Jamar Chase, the fifth overall pick. T. Higgins, you've got him at the top of the second round. Tyler Boyd is arguably one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. And you have Joe Mixon in the backfield. You know, that leaves kind of the tight end as the odd man out. But what's, what is fascinating, what makes this a, an interesting conversation, is that the usage and where they have the tight ends, you know, typically – that's been where Burrow has found some good success, you know, in the middle of the field, especially in a quick game, if you can get the tight end and a good, a good matchup. And the Bengals are all about taking the right matchup in any given play. It's not about, you know, we really, you know, in certain cases, they will scheme a play for a certain receiver. By and large, they want to give the quarterback the autonomy to make the decisions, you know, maybe check out of a run and get into a pass. And then even then go through the progressions and find the right matchup. Right now, I would think that Uzama would be the top tight end and Drew Sample would be kind of right there. And I think they would split snaps relatively down the middle. I think that there isn't going to be a big drop off between tight end one and tight end two. Uh, Thaddeus Moss, I think, would be that third tight end because of that history with Joe Burrow. You know, they definitely have a very close relationship. You can see that on the field the other day. Thaddeus and Joe were the ones walking off the field after practice and Jamar Chase was right with them. Uh, all three guys were really instrumental in that 2019 LSU team. And so 
I, I think that that's probably how that unit is going to shake out. But if you're going to be drafting anybody from Cincinnati, you know, on your fantasy squad and you're looking for a tight end, you know, I would think that the cupboard's got to be pretty bare for you to go that because I just don't know how many targets they're going to get and how consistently those targets are going to be there. And, you know, that is an NFL wide, that's a league wide problem. You know, only, you know, I, I try to get a tight end pretty early because in my opinion, you know, if you can go get a guy who's reliably going to get you targets, you know, the, the, there's not a whole lot of people that are going to do that. And the drop-off to a second tight end is quite significant. You know, there's that top tier, you know, of Kelsey Kittle and Darren Waller, and, and you've seen some other guys have an Ingram even, but then after that really tight ends in the passing game are few and far between. So, you know, maybe, you know, Uzama can, can get to that top of the tier and sample in that mix, but in, in my leagues, I would, if I was drafting and I need the tight end in the middle rounds and that it's kind of around that ADP, I would pass personally and see what other options are out there, given how this offense is structured, but that could all change because of the, you know, the, the thing is with the volume in this offense, you never know what's going to happen, but right now I would kind of shoot the tight ends. Ben, fantastic stuff. Once again, uh, we're going to get you out of here. I got two questions left, but they're quickies and toughies. Okay. One is what is your boldest fantasy take for the Bengals in 2021? It's a good question. If I, if I, I generally hate bold takes because they require you to be a little bit out there, but I think that T Higgins will be the top wide receiver on the Bengals this year in terms of explosive plays and just from a fantasy perspective. And honestly, from a football perspective, I think T Higgins can really be that guy. And when they drafted him, they drafted him to be AJ Green's replacement and really be the wide receiver one of the future. And we got a taste of that last year. He led the led the team in rushing or in receiving, excuse me, and that's playing with a hamstring injury for most of the season and still being pretty young and, and kind of having a uh, the body of a college guy. Now he looks like a pro, and he's made some really good catches. He's had a couple drops too, but I think that he's got a really high ceiling, and I think that that's going to be a guy that, you know, is going to be slept on in a lot of fantasy drafts, and if you can get him – you know, maybe a little, if, he, if he's falling below his ADP and he's still on the board, I would get him without any hesitation because I think he's got a lot of potential and he could be that explosive guy the Bengals are looking for. Especially a lot of uh, your casual home league drafts going to be pretty soft and you're going to be able to get, get him. I imagine Chase is still going to go ahead just because he's ranked so high. All right, Ben, this is my actual final question. Last year, you gave us the Turnpike Troubadours. What is on your playlist? For 2021 so for the for the for the listeners i'm wearing a turnpike shirt interestingly enough uh so i uh turnpike we're hoping they make a comeback it's a it's been a rocky road from the boys from oklahoma but we'll find out see see what's next i really like charlie crockett uh he's, he's another guy in the, in the texas country red dirt scene out of south texas got a really great sound uh really unique sound really unique feel He's coming into Ohio in a couple of weeks, and I'm excited to catch him. He's uh, really crept up. He's been really strong these last few, uh, you know, these last couple of years, and building a lot of buzz in the scene. It's tough for me being so far away and and you know trying to mine out some of the folks that normally you'd hear on the radio in Texas. You know, you're not really you've got to really search it out once you move away. But uh, I am I am on the Charlie Crockett hype train. Uh, Randall King, I think if I had a, a lot of stock to buy in Randall King, I'd do that in about two seconds. A good throwback uh, voice you'd hear on 90s country radio uh, back in the day. So, uh, but if you haven't, listen, we talked about Turnpike last year. And if there's some of you holding out, 
uh, just go in and and just get dive into the whole Turnpike catalog. I'm telling you, uh, you will not regret it. Even if you don't like country music, you will like Turnpike. Uh, so uh, that is still going to be my suggestion because I'm a firm believer that they are the best band uh, on the face of the planet. I will vouch for Ben. I, I dove in and uh, yeah, I liked it. It was good. I, I appreciated the variety and it was a little different uh, type of music than I typically listen to. And uh, it was fun. I was actually listening through it again as a, a way to prepare for this. So Ben, thank you once again. I want to give you an opportunity to promote uh, yourself and, and let everyone know where they can find your stuff and give you the, the final word to say anything you'd like. Address the audience of fantasy here, Ben, as they're going to jump in your mentions for the next <laughs> four months. Yeah, you know, uh, please send all your uh, injury questions to add Ben underscore baby, I will try to get to them as much as I can, especially if Joe Mixon's foot does start to act up again. I will try to answer those in uh, maybe not become the official Joe Mixon update account. I think that would be best for everybody's sanity, Mixon's included. Uh, but that's where you can find me for some uh, up-to-date, real-time information. But really, I'd like you to find me at ESPN.com. Uh, go find the Bengals homepage, and that's where you're going to have all the, all the articles and content and the context that hopefully will help you uh, make decisions on whether start or sit guys or, or draft them as we get closer uh, to everyone's drafts this season. Thank you so much once again, Ben, and uh, until next year, have a great season. Thanks, David. T. Higgins, smash season. You are now dialed in.